Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Massages can be sexually arousing. Upgrade your foreplay with an amazing massage candle by Maud. It's body safe and skin softening. Once melted and extinguished, it can be poured on the skin and let the fun begin. Check out the link in this episode's description and have an orgasmic time. Self-love is a hot topic right now on the media and social media, but what does it really mean? And I mean, what role does it play in your sex life? Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara, your favorite sex and relationship expert here at Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. Today with us, we have um, the most amazing, okay, my student, one of my students call her the queen of self-love. Mary is the author of the best-selling book, The Gift of Self-Love and host of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, a top-rated show filled with tools and inspiration for loving yourself. Uh, Here's a little bit about Mary. After she recovered from a long-term battle with food and body obsession, Mary started her Instagram account at Mary's Cup of Tea to help women accept their bodies and learn to love themselves unconditionally. And we all know that's like a whole journey, right? Like not the destination. Uh, Her work has been featured everywhere, uh, like TEDx, Teen Vogue, and Health Magazine. Mary is committed to empowering people through her social media, online programs, and what looks really amazing, worldwide self-love retreats. Hi, Mary. Hey, Tara. Thanks so much for having me here. Yes. Well, I mean, since you're the, my student says, the queen of self-love, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm noticing that corporations and, you know, like, clothing stores and skincare mm-hmm. stores and social media started using the word self-love a lot in many ways that capitalize on I feel like girls mm-hmm. insecurity about their like body their hair their skin their looks like whatever but also men right mm-hmm. like men and women um what does it really mean like what is self-love mm, I love that you brought up that so many brands are hopping on the self-love train recently to sell products because it is really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a lot there in terms of like, you know, there's brands that come to mind that sell body products and they'll be like, embrace your natural beauty, <laughs> right? And that'll be like self-love. And the problem with, with that is that it's still like very image focused and it's still like, love yourself, but like, use this to fix your wrinkles or <laughs> love yourself, but, you know, still be beautiful. Na- yeah. Except this time it's natural beauty or on TikTok. I saw this whole like clean girl aesthetic and Ooh, what's people that? you have it. Okay. So I just stumbled on it, but it's like, I don't know. It's like the natural, the natural look, right. Where you like, I guess you wear very neutral colors and then your hair is like really pulled back. And like, mm. I don't know, like you shop organic. I don't know. It's kind of like a, a whole um like culture like a little movement and as much as it's fun to watch and i 
would be lying if I said I personally didn't engage with it. Or even years ago, I would promote that kind of message. Like everybody's naturally beautiful. Mm -hmm. The problem is that that's still focused on like looks and appearance and what other people think of you. And especially for women, it positions beauty as like the most valuable or important pursuit. And I just think that we can do so much better. And to me, self-love, this was a sentence that I recently wrote in my new book that's coming out later this fall. But to me, self-love is about being extra gentle with yourself when you're struggling, like always practicing self-compassion, but even more so when you're struggling, which can sometimes feel counterintuitive because when when we're in it, we're like, okay, we got to do something to fix it. Um, But to me, self-love is just letting yourself be in whatever experience you're having and, and making sure that you tell yourself constantly that it's okay and that I'm accepted and I don't need to necessarily do anything to earn love. So all these words can go out the window and into the trash. And also the part of self-love that I guess we, that is difficult to talk about because we don't want it to be toxic is when you got to give yourself a loving kick in the ass sometimes too. And be like, this is, you know, it's kind of like the light and shadow, like this is my light and you, you know, praise yourself and love up on yourself. And then this is my shadow. And we get to accept that part of ourselves too. And, you know, work with it, dance with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's what self loves about. Cause nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's gonna, you know, unless you're doing it as your job 24 seven mm-hmm. an influencer on Instagram, like self-love isn't going to look like a picture perfect or a video or TikTok. And to me, it's really about just like living and breathing and like full, full love and extending that to yourself, not just other people. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned both sides because I've noticed that a lot of um, thinkers and influencers will only talk about being compassionate, like self-compassionate, right? Which is really important. And I've been learning that, especially the last few years, a lot because I'm I'm a tough person. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always kicking myself in the ass. And yeah. I'm I lacked um that compassion, the gentle part. So the last few years, I've been really trying um, mm-hmm. the gentle part. But yeah, I see that a lot. But so sometimes when I see that a lot, the question that I have is, well, do we get anything done? Or are we just mm-hmm. super gentle and we're like, and we're taking a rest and, you know, we we work a little bit and then we're like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to go do some self-love activities versus <laughs> someone like me who's like, well, but that doesn't sound very effective uh, to me, right? So I love that you said that, yes, it's a it's a dance mm-hmm. of both. Like, of course, yeah. there's that productivity, like, go get it, girl, boss, like, boss girl, right? But then there's a girl boss. But then there's also that, like, hey, it's okay. Like, that yeah. love is truly that you don't have to be earning all these things or accomplishing all the time for people to enjoy your presence and love you and for you to love yourself. I think that's yes. really beautiful. Exactly. And studies show goosebumps. 
Oh, I get goosebumps every time you talk. (laughs) Um, Studies show that self-compassion, this comes from Dr. Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion from the University of Texas, Austin. Um, In her book, she talks about how she ran a a big study and, you know, in academia, this stuff is really hard to research. So the fact that people are doing this and, and showing some different viewpoint that's actually backed by some kind of social science. Um, it's just so eye-opening. And her study showed that actually approaching things with self-compassion doesn't demotivate you. Usually it'll even motivate you a little bit more. Um, and I think that Is for me, that feels better. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those phenomena. I don't know if <laughs> reverse psychology is what you would call yeah. it, but it's kind of like, if you tell a toddler, no, what are they going to say? They're going to start screaming and crying and they're going to want that thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're going to say, fuck you and their baby talk. Right. Um, but if you, you know, talk to them and explain things to them and you know, their parents will know this very well, that there's, there's ways to approach it. You make it seem like it's their idea and it's fun and it's gentle. And then suddenly they want to do whatever it is you want them to do too. So I think it's the same with us. Like, for example, I will tell myself that I'm feeling creatively blocked and I don't want to do social media. I just need a break. And like the second I give myself a break, one hour goes by and I have all these ideas and I'm so excited and I miss my audience and I want to post this new video. And it's just instantly like takes the weight off and then the creativity flows in. And I think with, with self-love and self-compassion, the same happens with just about everything that it's usually even more motivating. And for a fact, it's definitely not demotivating. And that's the biggest misconception is like, right. oh, if I love myself, I'll just be lazy and not doing anything. But the truth is that we confuse um being busy with with like earning our worth. Right, right. Right. And then we confuse being lazy with not, you know, not earning our worth. Like thinking rest is lazy. Exactly. When in reality, like the only reason we're so busy is because we're just trying to avoid this universal truth that like nothing matters. And we're always living for the next moment and like living in the future and never being fully present. And I think the the other big part of self-love, I was thinking about this more yesterday. I was like, if I were to be any religion, I think a lot of people think like this, but I've been really diving deep into Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And what I love about self-love is that it really does help you be in the present moment and not run from yourself, not run from connection, not run from receiving, you know, good energy and not like really not run from yourself or the present moment. I love that. I really want to ask a a probing question on that. But fun fact, I actually cited Neff a lot in my PhD dissertation because my dissertation was on measuring how people express empathy and Mm -hmm. what types of expressions of empathy are the most like effective based on the receiver. And Mm -hmm. of course, her work on like communicating compassion was a lot of like the stuff that I cited. So I'm so excited that you mentioned Neff. Um, I love that. Thank you. Uh, So based on what you just said, like, you know, self-love is also related to not running away from like connection. And I'm thinking it's also honoring um, wellness and well-being for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Honoring that and communicating that. So I think my next question is, um, how can 
self-love enhance our sex life. Like, of course, you know, this is love bites, uh, sexual wellness and exploration. So I'm really (laughs) curious. And you've been talking about sex, uh, quite like more often now on your, uh, accounts also. And I'm really excited about it. How can self-love enhance our sex life and relationship? Yeah. Well, sex is one of the, those big parts. Um, it's like a branch of receiving, right? And it's one way that we can physically receive love. Like it's just this big metaphor. Um, It's so funny that you bring that up because I have been talking more about sex for a few different reasons. Like one of them was because I was working with a brand that was like a sexual wellness company. So I, you know, was posting about them. And then we were talking about on the podcast because of the overturning of Roe. And that was a very big thing. So it feels like conversations about sex are needed now more than ever. And I'm also watching sex education. Do you watch that show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so sucked into it. I love a good teen coming of age. And I think that one is so well done, but um, I'm, like, I'm Otis's mom. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's so funny. That's yeah. so good. Wait, what season are I'll you be, on? Like having sex in the kitchen. Like when my kids are like around, like, Oh, sorry, you should leave. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Wait, what season are you on though? Because genus one. Girl, I Jean gets TV pregnant. Spoiler no. alert. Oh my God. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's nuts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's nuts. I highly recommend continuing watching that show. I've learned so much from it. And mm-hmm. even my fiance was like, I've learned so much from it. I feel like this show is going to make us like better people and parents and mm-hmm. just, you know. So for me, sex positivity is really an important part of self-love. And I think it's because it's so deeply linked to our relationship with our bodies and sex is one of the most vulnerable, but also like the biggest way that we can heal our relationship with our bodies. Cause if you think about it, well, you think about it all the time, obviously this is your work, but sex is like the most natural and normal and actually necessary thing for the survival of the species. Like it's what we're wired to do. And also in like our consciousness, it's like this love and this receiving and and connection and human to human. Like it's, it's our lifeline. Like we can't live without it. And yet we're constantly trying to live without it in a way, right? We're not, you know, talking about it openly with our friends. We, we can barely talk about openly about it with our partners. You know, so many people actually, for me, it would be the reverse. Like I can talk about sex with my friend, but it feels 10 times scarier talking about it with the person you're actually having sex with. So it's kind of this strange paradox. And I think that when you love yourself, you open yourself up to more love. And that manifests physically, like, you know, physically opening, especially if you're a vulva owner and that's what happens with your body. And it also manifests spiritually that you let somebody take care of you. You let somebody give you pleasure. You allow yourself to experience pleasure. And again, the only way to do that is to be in the present moment. It's not going to happen if you're thinking about your to-do list or laundry or anything. And you know this more than anyone. Um, I feel like I should be asking you this. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I really want to know because how do you think self-love like manifest during sex? Well, if and like some... I guess self-love and lack thereof. Exactly. Like, manifest. Yeah, well, with the lack thereof, I think the biggest thing for most people is body struggles, body image struggles. Um, so with the lack thereof portion of it, if somebody doesn't 
fully accept their body or feels ashamed of how they look, then they're going to try to cover themselves, you know, t-shirt on lights off and all of that. It just closes you. It closes your body and it closes your heart. And when you have self-love, when you can accept your body, when you can accept yourself, all the weird things, you know, about yourself and sex, which happen, you know, laughs or farts, or I don't know about you, but I cry. I was actually going to ask you about this. I was going to text you. I cry like almost every time I have an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. It's common. common. Yeah. It's pretty common. More for women. Yeah. I pulled my audience and I think like 40% said that that's happened to them. So I felt a little yeah. bit better, well, but I didn't more common than you think. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know that happens to anyone else. So like, I won't lie. Like my first reaction is to feel like really stupid, honestly, and silly <laughs> and ashamed. And like, this isn't sexy. I'm an ugly crier <laughs> and like cover myself off. But when I remind myself that like, okay, my goal here is to just be in full acceptance of myself and of this moment and to be with my partner. And then I just can cry and I don't have to explain myself. And like, he knows that it's not a bad cry. Like it's a positive cry. And that energy just gets reciprocated. You know, suddenly he's holding me and a moment that under circumstances where I didn't like myself would be stupid and embarrassing and weird and might even like get in the way of my relationship and the way I have sex next time. And feeling very suppressed turns into this, you know, beautiful, intimate connection and release of emotions and pleasure and just that, that exchange, that energetic exchange. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's just a personal example. Yeah. Yeah. I think accepting all of ourselves during sex is something that I, and I think everyone should strive for because it is like one of the barriers to good sex is that lack of self-love and when people say like you know uh, I'm just not confident in the bedroom I think there is I think that is heavily correlated with the concept of self-love although you know in terms of like social science self-love is really hard to measure because mm-hmm. there's so many factors that goes into self-love. But I do think that self-love as a concept that we all understand subjectively is very much associated with our self-esteem. Yeah. Because when there is self-love and and you thoroughly feel comfortable and you love yourself and you are certain, um, your self-esteem level is higher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that in terms of measuring, I think I have a feeling self-esteem might be the most like similar. Yep. Yeah. And it's it creates like a positive feedback loop, right? Yeah. yeah. And suddenly you're starting to feel, you know, confident in other areas of your life yeah. because you're you're just allowing yourself to exist. And not to get super like esoteric and abstract about it, but sometimes we have to. To me, like something like self-love and sexuality and the intersection between it to me personally. And I know some people may disagree if this isn't your beliefs or lifestyle or whatever, but to me personally, being in that space in that very positive space is a huge part of like, this is getting super out there. I'm really sorry, (laughs) but it's like a higher frequency, like higher consciousness, right? Like there's this physical body, this physical self of you. And that's like, you know, animals who have sex to mate and reproduce and 
carry on the species and whatever. And then there's this beautiful part of us that as humans, we have the ability to love, like the fact that we even have this, like, not just, I mean, our pets love us, but it seems like humans have this ability to like connect that sense of empathy to so many things that make us human to me, like loving yourself, loving others, enjoying pleasure, sex, sexuality, um, exploring yourself and the world around you. Like to me, that's what makes you that like vibrant, magnetic, lovely human that I see in you, for example, like you, (laughs) right. You know, when somebody walks in and I mean, we see it and they joke about it in the movies, but I think it's so true when somebody walks in, you're like, Whoa, there's something different about you. Did you get fucked last night? (laughs) Like I had an orgasmic morning. (laughs) Right. And like, it's true. Like it just, it penetrates out of you. And I, I think that's so beautiful. I'm attracted to people like that. I hope to be one like that. Um, and unfortunately there's too many people experiencing lack of self-love and sexual suppression. And again, that that's what creates the negative feedback loop. You know, that's what can make you feel not so great in other areas of your life. Um, and that's why I think this, this work is so important. Yeah, I agree. And you know, like that, I think there was a comedian that said, uh, a glowing woman is a well-fucked woman. <laughs> so true. <laughs> giggling, laughing after I heard that. And um, I just like, well, at least for me, I know that's true. And I know that also through the looking glass, meaning people told me like, what have you been doing? Like, why are you so, this is me, like, you know, in my previous relationships versus me now, uh, I was, I spent a lot of time just trying to grow in different areas in life. Um, and sex was very important to me. Once I learned that sex and sexuality was very important to me, um, like 10 out of 10, I knew I had to improve that aspect first then the other parts kind of will will manifest itself and I will work on those uh, later. Like right now, what I'm working on is actually what you just said earlier in this episode about I don't have to feel worthy when I work a lot. So like I'm trying. So that's what I'm doing right now because the, the sex, the fucking part is great. <laughs> yeah. Like the sex part is great. And I am like, I would say with all honesty, I'm like 95% just really happy and joyful. But yeah. there are there's there will be moments of that 5% where I feel I should be working mm-hmm. um, when I'm resting. So I think that's kind of that's something I'm working on. Just like a fun little segue. Like, what are you working on right now? Uh, same girl, same. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. I wrote in my journal this morning that today, this was the only thing that I had on my calendar today Mm -hmm. and I was really looking forward to it. And I wrote in my journal that I'm, yeah, I was like, I don't want to add anything to my to-do list. Cause yesterday I listened to a podcast episode by Sam Harris. Um, but it was like a different speaker he had on his podcast. And the episode title was productivity for mortals. And I clicked on it. thinking that it's going to give me some productivity tips. Right. (laughs) But what I learned is that our obsession with like efficiency and productivity and achievement. And I think it reflects in like orgasm too, right? Like a lot of people have sex just for the sake of having an orgasm and or fake one, because they think that that's important for achievement. Exactly. And we even call it that we call it the big finish, the climax that like, we have all these words for it that make it seem like it's, it's the end 
or the, you know, the thing to strive for. And this podcast episode was just teaching me what I always have to be reminded of as like a very type A person is that your goal, your purpose on this planet isn't to do everything on your to-do list. And the big, my biggest takeaway from that, and I'm struggling so hard to apply it, but he, this episode was talking about how like we are finite humans with finite capacity, but the to-do list and the possibilities are infinite. Mm -hmm. So we have to grapple with that and constantly doing something and looking forward to oh, once I get that thing done, then I'll be happy. Or once this is off my chest, then I can relax. Or once I achieve, you know, make this amount of money, then I, I'll be able to buy myself this house and then I'll, I'll have made it. Um, the, those, that kind of thinking is endless. It is endless. And the amount of times that I've said that, I mean, I love my retreats. I live and breathe them. It's the favorite part of what I do, but because of the stress and the emotional toll that they take on me, I do find myself saying like a few months leading up to the retreat, like, okay, I, once the retreat is done, then I'll feel totally relaxed and then I'll feel good. Well, guess what? After I finish that retreat, there's a next retreat. And then there's always something else. And I'm currently engaged and I'm like, okay, well, we're doing this ceremony. And once we do that, then then we can enjoy our engagement or after that it's the wedding party. And then, oh, well, then we'll have kids. And then it's always like something else. Right. So that's, that's like the recent thing. I think that's also <laughs> one of the common barriers to good sex mm. is people putting off their sexual intimacy. Um, I say this all the time. I think when we're stressed out and we're busy, which is like what modern humans tend to think is we're always busy. But um, when we're busy and stressed out, the first thing that, uh, that takes a toll in a relationship is sex and sexual intimacy. Not just like not penetrative sex, just like that sexual intimacy and passion and that touch that like, you know, the grabbing, like all of those things are gone when you're too busy and too stressed out. So I think um, that mentality is one of a, a common, uh, one of the common barriers to good sex. What do yeah. you think are other common barriers to like self-love and, you know, embracing like sexual wellness? Well, a big one is dieting. <laughs> like food restriction. And I think that's not just girls. Like I've seen guys doing this. They they do like their um a lot of dudes feel like, you know, it's only girls talking about body positivity and self-love when in fact there's also a lot of like ads for guys with abs and like, you yep. know, they're like 6'4 and they're hot and they're like have like long lash hair and like, you know, not everyone's yep. Brad Pitt. So like yeah. 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 Tell tell us more about the dieting stuff. That's something that I don't know much about in terms of like the like conceptual reasoning behind that and also like science or research findings. Yeah. Well, so I just want to reiterate what you said. Like this affects men and women and all people, non-binary included. Everybody is kind of victim of diet culture, especially the millennials, people who grew up in the 90s. It's still very real. I think body positivity for good reasons is becoming more and more popular on like the younger side of social media, which is wonderful. And there's still different kinds of pressures because, you know, again, like we're really good at replacing things or finding different words for the same thing. Yeah. And one thing when it comes to women and men, the biggest difference, everybody struggles with it. 
And, you know, even my partner's admitted that he struggled with body image before he's feeling some type of insecure and that's totally normal. And what I tell him is that the biggest difference is, babe, this is so normal and so valid. And I really appreciate your vulnerability. And I just want you to understand so that you're not brushing off someone else's experience that for women in particular, it's objectively harder because if you were raised as a girl in society, then being beautiful or looking a certain way or your weight is considered the most important thing about you. And the difference for men is that, yes, it could be something that they're worried about. And it totally sucks that, you know, they're faced with their own beauty standards, but for men, they don't, they are not constantly bombarded with the message that if they don't look a certain way, they won't be attractive or desired or successful or respected. Yeah. You're so right. Now that I think about it, because the narrative for boys and girls have always been girls have to be like pretty and, and thin and perfect, shiny hair. And then boys have to like thrive and succeed in like career. Right. Exactly. Historically speaking, girls like women didn't work. Exactly. All they had to like, they not all, but like it was really hard too. Um, but they had to really keep up the looks so that they yeah. have a husband that will take care of them because historically they couldn't work. Exactly. Um, and then men was always the narrative for boys was like, you have to work hard. You have to like, you know, make a lot of money. So like, it's exactly, is it, is it similar between like women having to like be skinny and pretty and like men having to be rich? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same old patriarchy. Like people think the patriarchy only affects women. Like, no, I'm sorry, but men are suffering from it too. And it's just, the message is targeted differently. I think Justin Baldoni just came out with a book about masculinity Mm -hmm. um, that touches on all this stuff, but you're exactly right. Like men deal with their own stuff based on what they've been told is going to make them more valuable. And in general, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, but in general, body image affects girls and women more. I think we can all kind of be like, okay, I see that. Um, So I think that's just important because I think, you know, there's certain things that are very personal and then there are certain things that are very objective. Mm -hmm. And we have to talk about both of those things. Like we have to be able to be like, this is my experience and then zoom out and be like, and this is like kind of what's going on in our society at a bigger scale. Exactly. So um, dieting back to that (laughs) is definitely a big sexual suppressor and a big, um, block to self-love too, because when you're struggling with body image and you're going on a diet, thinking that it's going to solve all your problems, it affects you mentally. It affects you spiritually, affects you emotionally. It affects you biologically, you know, even guys who go on a restrictive diet, that'll affect your sex drive. Mm that is so such a real thing. Um, and so for me and my experience, I used to be a bikini fitness competitor and I struggled with an eating disorder for seven, eight years before I finally started recovering. And even then I was kind of like half in half out. And it took me years and years and years to finally make peace with my body as it is. And to really stop dieting for good. I mean, I haven't gone on a diet or engaged in any kind of restrictive eating or exhaustive exercise at all for probably solid five years now. Um, And that journey, I think is so difficult. People might be listening like, oh no, 
same kind of question you had at the beginning. Like if I stop dieting, if I stop working out, then I'm just going to become lazy and sit on the couch and eat whatever I want. And the truth is that that's what diet culture has made you believe. And that is just not true. And there is a balance. Yes. Yes. And like we get to trust our bodies and nourish our bodies. And the only reason we feel so like crazy around food is because we're not getting enough of the food that we're really like craving and wanting and that our body is asking for. And what I mean by that is it doesn't mean, you know, you might be thinking like, oh, but I have dessert every single night. It's not about that. It's about what are you telling yourself as you're eating the dessert? Are you telling yourself, I'm, I'm, this is so, this is making me feel so guilty. I shouldn't be eating this. I'm going to get fat. <laughs> like all these messages with negative connotations that is going to like metaphysically affect how the food is metabolizing in your body. And it's going to affect how you think, feel, and, and see yourself and food, which is such a big part of existing. We can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge, like anti-diet person. Um, I think that after being on this route for about five years, I've definitely found like this piece with myself where anti-diet doesn't mean I don't eat vegetables or salads. Like, in fact, that's probably the majority of what I eat, but it comes from a place of ease and love and appreciation for my body and not like this forcefulness and this, like, nobody's going to like me if I don't right. diet and work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm the most like active I've ever been in my life. And, um, it, it just feels like easy and effortless. And like, I'm in more of a harmony with my body. And I just hope that more people can come to that place. Um, for me, that was like the gateway of my self-love journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that affects us sexually, you know, for feeling insecure about our weight, we're not going to have great sex. We're not going to let ourselves feel that if we don't trust ourselves, we don't trust our bodies. We're going to have a really hard time letting go and trusting somebody else to take care of our bodies. You know, it's all like, it all bleeds into each other. Yeah. I, I always try to like balance things out, uh, and whatever like feels good for my body and whatever feels good during the time that I'm like, if I'm doing things with friends, if we're like ordering things as a group, then I'm not going to be like, Oh no, I'm only eating like chicken breasts and vegetables today. Like I try to go like with the flow of my life and how I feel, um, as well as making sure like I'm not overeating because I'm a stress eater. <laughs> and uh, I know that I know for me, when I overeat, I do not feel good afterwards. Uh, and not psychologically, but physically. <laughs> and uh, I often say that that's, uh, that's a little bit like a first world problem. Like you eat too much, you have to take like a Pepto afterwards. <laughs> uh, that happens uh, sometimes in the past, especially when I was like writing my dissertation. Uh, but then now I think I have a, a much healthier relationship with food where I know my limit, like, oh, like this feels great right now in my body. I'm going to stop eating. But I also don't necessarily, I love indulging. Like I just, I'm a hedonist. Like I love indulging. So like <laughs> if there's a really good dessert, like I'm a, I'm a get it. Like, you know, like if there's like a couple of things on the menu that looks great, I'm gonna get all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's balancing that like, oh, okay. I'm going to do like two, three spoons of each. Mm -hmm. And then I'll share with my friends or my partner, right? So yeah. 
I, I work on that, like just balancing things, making sure my body feels good. Yeah. I love that you positively describe yourself as a hedonist. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great thing in my mind. Yes. it's. I mean, it is now a great thing in my mind too. And I will forever associate you with that because yeah, I mean, we deny ourselves too many of the simplest pleasures of life um, for not very, not a good reason. I mean, there are so many, you know, studies show that people who weigh a little bit more, like more in the quote overweight actually live a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's just random stuff that like, or people who are like the healthiest, like marathon runners, like whatever dieters and stuff, you know, have a die from a heart attack. Why? I don't know why it could maybe stress. Maybe it's you, we all know these like little pieces that kind of don't add up. And so it's just, I think life is about like you said, finding that balance and like seeing what works for you and being really gentle and compassionate with yourself. A lot of the times we like stressy and we turn to food and we don't really know our hunger and fullness levels because we're constantly like telling ourselves that we shouldn't be eating this. So we're, we haven't even given ourselves a chance to like learn what that looks and feels like. Cause we're like, Oh, I'm going to have two bites instead of being like, okay, how am I going to feel after one bite, after each consecutive bite and like being really in tune with ourselves and our bodies, like on an emotional level too. Um, so I think it's just, it's different for everyone. Yeah. I just really, I get really upset. And here's the other thing, like we are grown ass women, you know, and we get affected by these messages, but at least we have like the cognitive maturity to be like, this is too much, or I'm being too hard on myself, or I have people to reach out to or resources, or I can go to therapy or like, I know better. Like we have, we just have a certain level of strength that's developed just by living. Whereas so many people, like, especially young girls who see something on the internet, you know, who see like, you know, 10 days to lose 10 pounds or whatever for my daughter. If I ever, if I yeah. have her, like, you know, I don't know what the diet culture will be like when, when she grows up, but it just seems yeah. like with social media and how accessible everything is to, to young people, um, yeah. it's a little scary because they're not cognitively developed yet to make a yeah. cool, um, like decision for themselves. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I, well, social media started getting big when I was like maybe in high school. So I still, I grew up with it but not at the level that kids these days, right? Like for me, the messages were very much on TV and magazines, which I would see, but not 24 seven. And now it's 24 seven. All the time. Yeah. Well, talking about, you know, well, one way to combat these things is to continuously practice Mm -hmm. uh, little things that enhance our self-love or remind ourselves, right? So my uh, quick question would for you would be like, what are like the three easy ways? Like, let's say after this call, I can do like one of them right now, any like exercises or activities um, that you really like, like three easy ways to practice self-love. Okay. So one of them, I'm going to give away something that we do at retreats. Um, We do it in a different style setting, but I'm going to give a easy and actionable one that you could do anytime by yourself. And that is asking yourself, hopefully in a journal, what do I want? And I think this is very aligned to the sexual exploration um, 
conversation that we've been having too, because it can be sexual. Like, what do I want? What are, what are my desires? Mm-hmm. But it, it's also a practice that uh, lets our desires and our hopes and dreams and wishes be welcome, right? As opposed to, I need to be practical or I should do this, or this person needs me. I need to take care of my kids or to-do list, whatever. It's the question of what do I want? And you keep asking yourself that until you realize that what you really want isn't that new car or that hot body or that new house or whatever. Those might be some of the materialistic things, but really what you're probably searching for is these big human themes like connection, right? I want to feel loved. Intimacy. Yeah. I want to feel loved. I want to feel accepted. Like those are so, I want to belong. Those are very common threads in, in just the humanity. And the second, I'll make this as the second step, but it's kind of a follow-up to this. What do you want exercise is asking yourself, how can I be this now? How can I like live, breathe, and be this now? If you're like, okay, what I'm really feeling, like I feel disconnected and I really want connection. And I feel like a hot body will give me that connection because it'll make more people swipe on me on the dating apps. Like whatever that is, like you kind of start recognizing these patterns and like, where they're coming from and, and getting to that underlying theme. And then you ask yourself, well, how can I be that now? If you want connection, how can I be connected? Mm-hmm. And maybe to you, that's, I don't know, meditation, or maybe that's blow like jobs, blow jobs, <laughs> very connecting. I gotta, gotta Tara. Some Dr. Tara in there. <laughs> you kill me. <laughs> I mean, I, the blow jobs are very spiritual for me. Really like, tell I me really about get that in the zone. Like I get in a little trance. I don't know. I, I think, um, from the, from my like early twenties, like I hated doing them because I feel used. I feel mm-hmm. like, ugh, like this, is, they call it a job for a reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, um, when I was sexually exploring later in my, in my uh, late twenties, I realized that a lot of the things that I quote unquote hate, um, are perhaps things that I am not, um, well, because uh, w- sexual pleasure wasn't reciprocated. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was giving all the time. And if you think about it, not in a social scientific way, but in an energy way, mm-hmm. it's like I'm constantly pouring out energy and yeah. I'm just a cup of water. So I have no more water. Um, and so doing this makes me feel used versus now with a partner where we we consistently like tune our engine mm-hmm. uh, because we talk a lot and we talk about the relationship. We talk about the sex, our, our sex life and what we desire. Yeah. Um, I shifted my perspective to I love uh, giving him blowjobs because um, it gives me power like it empowers me i'm the person he's Mm -hmm. like his legs are shaking and he's like he ejaculates like i'm the person that caused that to happen oh yeah and that to me is in a way spiritual like i'm powerful like Mm -hmm. i made this happen you know like he could have done this alone but the, the experience wouldn't have been anywhere close to the pleasure that he experienced when i did it yeah. So I mean, you're kind of like a trophy now. <laughs> right. Know? Right. So to me, it's a now a positive experience and a spiritual one too, where I feel powerful from the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're kind of so like a god. Low job story. Yeah. Like a little sex god. I love that. Yeah. 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 So, like, 
yeah, give a blowjob. Um, <laughs> an act of self-love yeah. that you can do right after you finish listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> okay, what's so, another uh, practice that you like to do? So what do you want? What do you want? How can you be, how can you be this right now and do this right now? Yes. And then, yes. And then uh, let me think about that. What's another self-love practice? Physical touch toward yourself is so important. Mm. Um, actually, doctor, I'm stealing this from Dr. Kristen Neff. Yeah. Giving yourself a hug or like touching yourself with love or doing something for yourself, like making a meal for yourself Mm. or people who are artsy painting a painting for yourself, writing a love letter to yourself, like doing these things that you would usually do to a lover or for a lover. I guess maybe you can't give yourself a blowjob, but there are other ways. (laughs) Yes. Treating, yeah, like treating yourself like you're dating yourself, like you're romancing yourself. Um, Those kinds of those little things, buying yourself flowers. It's so fun to see bright, beautiful flowers in your home and knowing that you got them for, for yourself. And, you know, for me, a trip to Trader Joe's to get those flowers is like an act of self-love. I love TJ's. It makes me happy. Um, And for me, like a big thing, like when I feel fully like just grounded and present and like I'm not running away from myself is putting my phone down and looking up. There are so many people that don't look up. I agree. I agree. Uh, every time I'm at a place where there's a lot of people like the airport or when I sit outside at like a cafe and I look around and a lot of people are looking down at, the, at their phones. They're looking down. And if you think about it, like what is that doing to you? Like biophysically, like, like you're like this, like, how are you going to feel confident when you look like a little gremlin, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, you know, open, like look up, like maybe bring your shoulders back a little bit, put your phone away, look at other people, like see how you can connect with them without necessarily talking to them, but just like that common humanity aspect, which Dr. Kristen talks about a lot, but is, is also very spiritual and Buddhist, like recognizing that we're all like a part of this, this big thing. And we have no idea what we're doing here. Um, and do you want to spend your time, you know, looking down into this black box, you know, Um, so for me, that that's a big thing is really getting off my phone and being more present. Love that. I love that. Well, I, I guess my last question before we go into our game, uh, we have a game, we have a game. Yeah. My last question is another like kind of list things, but I'm a Virgo. So I love lists. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, is what, um, can you share with us like three tips to embody the self-love that we feel inside? Like how, how do we embody self-love during sex? Mm, I'm a Virgo rising. So I love a good list too. Nice. Did you see that TikTok sound? That's like, the question isn't, uh, what list am I going to write? The question is how many lists, <laughs> I love lists. Um, so many lists. So how can we embody self-love during sex, breathing and being with yourself? Um, moments of silence, you know, like not necessarily performing. That's a big theme for women because we're so, we've been raised in this, what 
social scientists call the male gaze. We constantly feel like we're being watched or look at, looked at. Like even if you're alone, I don't know about you, but even if I'm alone, I'm still thinking about what do I look like if somebody were to look at me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this it's such a real thing to constantly feel like you're performing for other people. Of course, social media doesn't help with that. Um, but when it comes to sex, like there is a dance where sometimes you are performing or maybe you're role-playing or you want to be sexy. Like that's totally fine. And there does have to be this level of, well, the word they used is embodiment and really tuning into like, how does this feel? And where can I, I don't know, almost like meditative, like if you're getting eaten out, like really tuning into that spot or exploring a new part of your body and seeing how that touch feels in sex education, by the way, not to give it completely away, but there's this scene where, um, there's sex with like a person who's disabled and he's disabled from the chest down. So she asks him what feels good. And he says like, I really love my ears kissed. And it was like the most beautiful scene because they were engaging in an act of sexual. I mean, it's not even necessarily foreplay. It's just a sexual act, right? An act of intimacy. And you could tell it was bringing him so much pleasure and then her, and it had nothing to do with genitalia. Mm -hmm. Like every part of your body can be in that space of heightened awareness if we tune in. Um, So for me, that's pretty self-loving. What else? I don't know. What do you do to embody sex in, or sorry, self-love in sex? Wait, self-love during sex, sexual exploration. Uh, I think the one thing that I feel I do uh, now pretty naturally, wasn't natural before, but now pretty naturally during sex that to me embody my own self-love is to let go with the moan. So before um i would moan in a sexy way because that's what i saw on porn and i just want to act that out because it's quote-unquote sexy yeah Uh, but now i moan sometimes it sounds funny to me like i moan like an animal because i think when i have sex maybe maybe he's going down on me or he's fingering me or maybe it's penetrative sex uh sometimes like holding on to the feeling or producing sounds that are not natural, uh, that are like not naturally coming out of your body uh, is exhausting. And it takes away from focusing on that action, like that activity that's going on right yeah. now. So I just like let go. And sometimes it just sounds <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it sounds weird. Uh, it does not sound like the girls on porn. Yeah. Uh, but that to me is so good at living that moment and my orgasms are very full-bodied and sometimes very intense uh because I let go like and letting go audibly like through moaning uh in a weird way uh is good for my womb like it's good for my pelvic area it releases the stuff I have in my tummy Um, wait I love that I didn't know that before yeah I didn't know that before until I like went to this tantric sex um uh what is it called? It's not a retreat, like class. Yeah. Where the teacher was like, um, your voice, like what you express verbally, um, through your voice is it's releasing like sexual, 10 sexual energy from your pelvic area. So just like let go audibly. Yeah. And it's hard because, um, yeah, 
we're like, oh, like, but tr- you have to like try a few times and it right. feels forced at first, but then it feels really natural. Yeah. Well, this kind of brings us for full circle because sounds are vibration. Mm-hmm. And when you're vibrating at different frequencies, like when you're letting your voice, your body vibrate, then obviously you're like expanding the range mm-hmm. of feeling. I really love that. I've personally like stopped forcing myself to moan as well. But to me, that's more like I'm just a little quieter, I guess, than I used to be four years ago when I was trying real hard. Um, But I want to try to do a little, be a little bit more animalistic and natural about it. Animalistic. That's a good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to explore. Is is there like a non-societal pressure animalistic Tara that I can embody and I realized that I could, and it's actually a lot more free. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so hot. Okay. I love that. Okay. (laughs) New things to try. Every time I talk to you, I'm like new things to try. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I want to play a game with you and I play this game with, uh, every guest on my show and it's called 10 quickies with Dr. Tara. Okay. And what it is, it's just like, I'm going to give you a word And you can give me a response back and it can be a word, a noise or a sentence or just like a quick explanation, like whatever it is. Okay. I'm nervous. Let me get a sip of coffee from my boob cup. Yes. Yes. Get in there. And shake it out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Wait, can I tell you this quick story that I was telling you before we started recording? I want to know. Yes. And I want everyone to know. (laughs) The boob cup reminded me of it because I just need your like personal as a friend words of encouragement. So I got a message today. So I I poured this boob cup. This is actually my fiance's leftover coffee that I'm drinking. But about an hour and a half ago, I brought this to him in his office. And I was like, hey, babe, I made you iced coffee in a booby cup. (laughs) And he took it. And I was like, which ones are mine? And I was just fucking around. Like, I don't know. I was just being myself. I didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary. So I got this nasty ass message (laughs) about how I am so hypersexual and I don't seem satisfied in my monogamous relation or just like all these projections about me. And I think why I'm asking you this is because you said that recently I've been talking about sex a little bit more and I'm like so comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm just you know, talking about it on the internet because it's fun. And I think people need to hear or need to normalize these kinds of conversations. And then I got that message and I just, I don't know why it made me sad. I should just ignore it. But I was like, wow, like it was also like so vulnerable, you know, to open up about your sex life and then to be like met with that kind of weird well, I know that you cognitively know that that's just a projection of themselves yeah. and how uncomfortable they are. And I bet a million bucks that that person does not have a good sex life. <laughs> You're the a shit. Million dollars yeah. That that person does not have a good sex life. Um, only people who are unhappy with their own sex life judges other people negatively when they speak about sex freely. That's so true. I guess I just get so in my head because I'm like, oh, well, if it made me upset, then maybe they're right. <laughs> you know? No, they're not. No, they're okay. not, girl. And okay. I love that you are speaking up more about sex and sexual wellness because you have a platform where there's a lot of women and girls 
um, on there. And that's the population that really needs to hear sex positivity messages. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew a booby cup can get someone so... You're so hypersexualized. Yeah. Like yeah. panties in a bunch much and not in a good way. <laughs> no, not at all. No. If anything, you uh, just got to give them compassion. Yeah. Because that yeah. person is not a well-fucked woman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. And it was one of those spam accounts too. Oh, like of course. Anon, totally anonymous and like super out of the blue. And yeah, I should just ignore stuff like that. Do you get shit like that? You probably get some gross. Oh, mean. I get I get terrible messages like really often. Especially I don't like that about sex and like, you know, sex topics in such an unapologetic way. I get terrible messages from both men and women. Oh my God. What do you get? Well, I'm a, I can imagine what you get from men. Mm-hmm. What do you get from women? Um, that I'm like corrupting like the men, like that I'm that now like the men want their girlfriends or wives to be like me. OMG. Yeah. What? I'm corrupting them. And like, you know, I like someone told me that their husband or boyfriend, I don't know, um, their partner was saying that like if the sex life doesn't change they will need to get a divorce and that person quote like apparently followed me and i'm like huh you know whatever you do in your own life is your right. own decision and yeah um, and who knows maybe the divorce was best for you guys like but right. i don't know i'm not making a decision for you i'm not working with you as a coach right. but like just because that like yeah there's there was a woman that messaged me dm me i didn't i didn't read i didn't like go in to read it i just saw it but yeah. it was like my partner is leaving me because because of you, of you? Yeah. no that is such a load of horseshit i mean maybe you made them realize like that their sex life wasn't what they wanted it to be and they want they started talking to their partner about it and their partner wasn't receptive and it turned into a whole fight which i can see that but like that has absolutely nothing to do with you it's i that makes me so angry yeah it's always a bummer especially messages from women and girls it's always yeah. a bummer because i'm like girl i'm on your team Right. I'm on your side. I'm on your team. We're on a girl's team. I want all the girls to be fucking getting it and like having amazing sex life, having the glow. Like I'm all about that. I'm not, you know, yeah. But I feel that is what it is, you know, like until everyone works on themselves and well, that's like the patriarchy pits women against each other. It makes her blame you instead of looking at her partner and be like, bro. (laughs) What should we do to right? ourselves yeah Yeah. yep okay Okay, sorry to make it heavy but let's play the game (laughs) yes but yeah that person is not having good sex um quickies with dr tara uh i'm gonna give you a word you give me a response back okay okay 10 quickies with dr tara number one clitoris pleasure number two educational porn flappy (laughs) number three oral sex yummy Number four, squirting. Ooh. <laughs> Number five, vaginal pain. Uh, not good. Number six, bisexuals. It's me. <laughs> Number seven, sex drive. Hi. Number eight, masturbation. Normal. Number nine, tantric sex. Curious. And last but not least, number 10, monogamy. I'm into it. 
them into it. <laughs> uh, there was this book that was written long, long time ago. I mean, there's some parts in there that is a little outdated, but in general yeah. has really good meat in it. It's called Hot Monogamy. Ooh. Uh, and I really like it. And I think you'll really like it too. You know, I have a lot of books like that that are like outdated and like not the most feminist, uh-huh. um, but I still get a lot of value from. Mm-hmm. One of those is Queen's Code. Have you read that? Mm-mm. Well, it's it's like very heteronormative, but it talks about like these words and approaches that men really get turned on by. Mm, um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's like one example is like the word help, like men oh. love to help. And so when you ask yourself like, hey, baby, can you help me with something? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the little things. Oh Again, my God, not- I ask my partner to help me all the time and he likes it. Yeah. Does he get turned on by it? I think so. But let, hey. let me see. Let me check the boner next time. Okay. Let me know. Circle back. Um, okay. Any last words for any last words for the Love Bites fam? I just hope that the Love Bites fam, first of all, I, I love everything that you're doing on social media. I admire you so much as a creator too, and a human, and I love your energy so much. Um, so I'm so happy to have spent this hour with you, but I just hope the Love Bites fan Real fam, not fan, your <laughs> love bites fans and our love bites fam can really step into more self-love and know that you're so worthy of it. You're so worthy of pleasure. You're so worthy of feeling good. You're so worthy of loving your body. And it's just so important to love yourself because that is like the, the cup you were talking about. That's the cup that is your job, I guess your responsibility to fill so that you can feel fulfilled and so that that love can overflow to others, but make sure that you're starting with the source and the source is you. I love that. You are responsible for your own self-love. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to have all of your information in today's show notes so people can find you. Um, Anything else that you'd like to plug? I know a book is coming out, but you got to come back on my show for that book. Oh, you're so nice. Yeah. Um, I have my book. It's called The Gift of Self-Love and it's a self-love workbook. It's pretty comprehensive and holistic view of self-love with tons of exercises. And um, it's like self-help, but interactive, I mm-hmm. guess. And then my next book, it's going to be a self-love journal. Um, it's currently in the design process, which is really exciting. But that self-love journal is more like a daily dose, like a I don't know, a metaphorical multivitamin for your self-love journey, especially for people who want to start journaling or need some kind of a daily practice, um, but don't really know where to start. Hopefully this book, this journal will, will help. I love that. And I bought your first book and I love it. So you guys um, definitely check out her book. Um, Thank thank you you so much, Mary. Thank you so much, Tara. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me too. Um, And my Love Bites fam, thank you so much for listening till the end of the episode. If you have any questions or comments, always feel free to DM me. I'd love to hear from you. And I mean, per usual, have an orgasmic day. Do you want to become sexually powerful? If the answer is yes, go to lovebites.co and check out 30 Days to My Best Sexy Self a sexual mindfulness journal. This ebook will change your life. In this sexual mindfulness journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. 
Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.